doing that this morning. I'm going to be talking, uh, titling my message, All or Nothing. Everybody say, All or Nothing. And, and what I love about the gospel, uh, most of all, is first of all, Jesus was all in when it came to giving all. You know, he was just all in. And so I've, I've really learned a lot, um, even about myself and, and how the gospel intersects my own personality. You know, ever since I was a little kid, you know, I was very zealous, very committed to pretty much everything I, I did. And I was one of those all in kind of guys, you know. But getting to know Jesus and what he's done for me has reshaped my, my view on what I'm actually going to talk about today because the gospel itself actually gives us the ability or the capacity to manifest the nature of Christ in the earth. It's incredible to think about that, like who Jesus was being someone who was all in we actually get to take on his nature and manifest that same reality through our own lives. It's amazing. So whether we're feeling up or down, it doesn't matter. There's, there's a power that's working in us by this beautiful seed of the accomplished work of Christ that resides on the inside of our hearts that enables us to stay the course, but not only stay the course, always increase with that fire that burns on the inside within us every single day until the day that we draw our last breath. It's amazing. I remember I was talking actually to the Wave 2 class today. We're, we're preparing those that, that want to really take this ministry and bring it out into whatever sphere of influence they're in. And we were talking about salvation. And we really looked into this, this concept and journey of where the church has matured from making salvation um, not just about some ticket to heaven, but actually seeing heaven come to our world now, you know, and, and the whole redemption factor, the whole redeeming what was broken and making it new again. That's what salvation did. It's, it's such a beautiful thing. And that salvation is, is burning in our lives. And the effect of this gospel that's working on the inside of us is going to influence and affect other people living in the world. If you believe that, say Amen. So I want to look at a, a very interesting portion of Scripture, New Testament, New to Covenant totally, and just kind of glean and extract a principle as it relates to this whole all-or-nothing concept today, redeeming, you know, having to do with what Christ has accomplished on the cross. In Acts chapter 5, verse 1, very interesting portion of Scripture. Remember this story where there was a certain man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira who sold some property. And in verse 2, it says that he brought part of the money. Everybody say part. Everybody shout part. Part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. And with his wife's consent, so you see, there, I, I, whenever I talk to couples and we're, and we're trying to... Uh, no, there's, well, there's actually a positive principle here. There was a negative effect in this scripture, but there's a positive principle here because whenever I talk to couples and they're trying to really see something happen in their marriage, I say the key to power being released, and by the way, when Wendy's talking about being warm, two lying down being warm, Nida wasn't looking for Wendy. She was looking for a man. Come on, Nida. You're looking for a man. 
I know there's some ladies out here looking for a man. Can I get an amen? All right. <laughs> Anyhow, sorry, not to embarrass Nida. But the point is, when I talk, moving on from that, um, when I was talking about marriage with couples, I say, listen, if you can just agree, come into agreement, there's power released. You know, there's power, there's synergy, you know, that will bring restoration, that will bring, but here, unfortunately, there was agreement in a wrong, misplaced reality. And Peter said to him, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You've lied to the Holy Spirit, and you've kept some of the money for yourself. Now, this is intense, because this is actually a new covenant culture, and we're going to get to, to, to what actually um, is going on here as we progress through this message. But he said this, and you've got to see the, the, the weave of the new covenant culture here. He said, the property was yours to sell or not to sell. And after selling it, the money was yours to give away or to keep. But instead, they gave a part, pretending or saying that it was all. Do you see the principle here? They could have kept it all or they could have given away it all. But they kept, you know, they, they, they... kept apart, but they said that they were given it all. And after hearing these words, Ananias falls dead. Boom! Three hours later, his wife, Sapphira, comes in. You, you guys remember the story. We don't, we don't turn there in the scriptures, but they ask her about, the, about you know, the money, and she says the same exact thing that, that Ananias has said that wasn't true, and boom, she falls dead. Actually, before she does, he said, the same people that carried your husband out are outside the door waiting for you, and you're just like, I'm sure she's like, ah! you know, and, and she falls dead. And then it said, everyone who heard about it was terrified. Now, here's, here's some context, because I want to give you some context here. This was an uber, super critical moment in the life of the church. And I'm talking the life of the New Testament church that was coming into the earth. In 33 AD, the church in Jerusalem, a region of about a million people, had grown to about 4,000. Now imagine that. You are, even at a church size of 4,000, you are completely outnumbered. That's why even for us, when we think about church size in this region, we are thinking way too small. Way too small. Right now, I think we're like 2% committed believers in the region. What if we go to 4 and what if we go to 8? What if we go from 8% to even just 16? That means that every single church in this region has now quadrupled in size. And if we put that out there, most people wouldn't even believe that that could happen. We're happy with our few 300, 400,000, 10,000, however many it is. But we are way outnumbered in the earth and it's time for that to change. Can I get an amen? So the church was in this small size. And between 34 AD and 44 AD, there was incredible persecution. 34 AD, where Stephen was martyred. 44 AD, where James, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, was beheaded. Peter was put in prison. There was incredible extreme persecution that was coming against the church in Jerusalem. Now, here's the, here's the reality. Because of this persecution, there were severe economic ramifications 
that were taking place in believers' lives and thus threatened the very survival of the church. But many, like Ananias and Sapphira, voluntarily sold properties during this season where they had what the Bible says all things in common. Because, you know, anybody remember around here for Hurricane Wilma? Well, we were living out at Coral Springs during Hurricane Wilma. Never been through a hurricane in my life. And actually, it's kind of somewhat my fault because I was praying for a hurricane. I wanted to experience one. And I'll never pray that prayer again to Hurricane Wilma. Because before we'd have, you know, hurricanes kind of come off the coast. And then you'd have, you know, there'd be some high winds. They'd close down work. And everybody would have these hurricane parties, right? So I'm like, man, hurricanes are awesome. And if this is awesome, I want the full thing, Lord. And the Lord's like, okay, uh, but we had, the, we had the hurricane literally come right over the top of us out in Coral Springs. And I could tell you some stories about that day when that happened because I've never been through a hurricane before. Our house was shaking, man. This concrete block house, shaking, you know. I ran outside to take the, take the plastic slide off of our place set. And Wendy had shut the glass door to the, to the pool deck. And I didn't know she shut it. And I, boom, hit the glass door coming back in, knocked myself out. It was, it was bad. But what was cool after the hurricane in this season, you know, it was, it, was, it, was a, it was kind of a crisis moment, right? And the neighborhood really came together and we're sharing things. Like our next door neighbor let us tap into his, uh, what you call it, yeah, generator, sorry. And, um, and, and we were sharing food. Everybody had their grills out in the center of the street because you couldn't drive down and there was trees laying everywhere. And it was in that time that we were really able to share with one another in that season, in that moment, to get us through the storm. Because Wendy had left me um, not too shortly thereafter. I was down there for three. She went up to see her mom in South Carolina. And uh, I was left down there, no AC, no food. I was dying. Come on, somebody. And, uh, but, but I survived off of my neighbor's generosity. And, and, and I want to just point that out because even what was happening here in the New Testament church, um, that was not God's long-term plan for the church structure and church model. I mean, God's new covenant blueprint is personal stewardship of our finances, taking responsibility for what we've been given, and then out of giving first fruits off the top of that, man, we, we journey through this thing called life with what, what, what God's entrusted us. And what was really happening here was almost in a sense like Christian communism, you know? I mean, bring it all. We got to get through this time. But it was only for that, that moment when Wendy and I were in North Carolina the other week. We went to a, a, a place called the Yellow Deli. It's this restaurant. And it's run by these kind of sect of Christianity, maybe probably a cult, actually. And they've... They, <laughs> Not probably, they are called. Anyhow, <laughs> but, but, they, but what they've done is they, they've, they've given away everything that they own and they come and they've joined themselves to this entity and you can't even go on vacation um, once you become a part of this thing. And you're, this business is making a lot of money and people have joined that. And we kind of celebrate, you know, sometimes even the 70s when everybody kind of moved in together. And the reason for that was that the hippies didn't have any jobs before that. Can I get an amen? I mean, you know, so the, the concept of having all things in common was a great thing for them because they never had anything to begin with. <laughs> so someone needed to pay the bills, right? 
But the point is, man, you're supposed to take personal ownership, personal responsibility. And, um, and, and what I think I'm gleaning from this scripture here is that there's just no life found in the space in between. It's either, man, sell your property, keep all your money, sell your property, give all your money, but, but in, in, in divine moments, man, you know, this thing called the gospel, we're not playing halfway here. I mean, it's not even designed for that. It's, it's all or nothing. The gospel, I want to submit to you, doesn't even work halfway. It doesn't even work halfway. It's not even designed by God to work halfway. We see this in Revelation 3, verse 14. Look what, what, what the Lord Jesus himself said. In this verse, he said, I'm writing this letter to the angel, or some, some theologians bring the pastor of the church in Laodicea, and he says, this is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness. Notice this, the beginning of God's new creation. That's what the gospel is all about, is taking everything that was broken Everything that was dysfunctional and making it new. And he's, and he's trying to give a message to this leader on what that actually will look like. What it's going to take to see that transformation manifest. And here's what he says to him. I know all the things that you do. And here's what he says of him. That you are neither all in or all out. He says, this is Jesus. I wish that you were one or the other. I think the most confusing thing in the earth right now to a lost person would be a believer trying to live in the in-between space. All or nothing. I've been mentoring this young man, no longer part of the harbor, been gone for many years, but we were talking the other day, and he's been in this interesting time in his journey, and he was explaining to me how when he gave himself to going to Bible school or going on mission trips or you know, being involved in worship ministry, he said it really wasn't working out too well for him. So he thought, you know, I need to be fully committed or nothing at all. So he said, I just went ahead and decided I'm just going to kind of go away from the Lord. But then he went on to tell me how he's finding Jesus again in the workplace and in just day in, day out life with his wife, time spent with his friends. And I was telling him, man, that is so beautiful because you know, his response, uh, um, initially, before he got some understanding, he was like, man, I've got to do these things. If I just do these things, then that means I'm all in. And he realized that actually being obedient to where God had called him to be, was what it looked like to be all in. And then I wanted to give him a little bit more just kind of insight. I said, did you know, and I said his name, I said, did you know that his all, 
His all is actually what moves us to give our all. It never originates with our all, and then he's going, hey, good job. No, it's his all that moves us to give our all. It's that empowerment that comes. And it really is that seeking first. Look at Matthew 6, 33 here quickly. He tells them to seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now, just to give context here, all these things really had to do with clothing, food, shelter, just the basics of life. And and there was worry in the hearts of the believers as it related to basic provisions. And he's telling them, listen, that's what the Gentiles give their hearts to. They're, They're filled with worry just about... Hey, are they going to eat tomorrow? Are they going to have a place to live? Are they going to, you know, they're going to have nice clothes to wear? And he said, man, this is not even, shouldn't even be your concern. This is the, the minimal stuff that God does. In fact, he says, if you seek him first, all of these things just are just going to be added to your life. But here's the principle. You can't seek apart and expect to receive all. We were listening to Tim Keller the other day as a staff, and he said this. Before I put this quote up, he said, he said this one profound thing. He said, in all his years as a pastor, he's had every kind of sin confessed to him. He said, you, every imaginable sin. But he said the one that he never had confessed to him was greed inside of people's hearts. No one ever confessed to that. And he said, because there's such a blinder over that. Because here's the, here's the next quote. He said, Money is not an idol. It just shows where all our idols in life really are. You see, even people out there that don't know Jesus, they'll often say, well, if God gives me, or once God gives me, fill in the blank, a husband, a wife, a million dollars, a new car, then I'll give to God, fill in the blank. Right? When we were down here um, planting this church, which my wife and I had just come out of helping to plant two other churches, and really had sacrificially gave in so many ways to these, to these works, to see them raised up, to see them established. One of the young guys on our team was, who was truly one of those prophetic type of guys that, that are wonderful and terrible all at the same time. You know what I'm talking about? Um, Beautiful, and, and you want to stay away from them the rest of the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and it's truth, actually, when they come to you. But it kind of throws you at first, triggers you if you got stuff on the inside. He looked at me. I don't even know why he said this. It was like out of the blue. It wasn't, there wasn't even any context to why he said this to me. But he said, I was praying for you this morning, Darren, and, and we're in the midst of a real trying time as the church. I mean, getting this thing off the ground. It was a real hard time. I think I just lost some support. I was now working um, taking fourth grade kids on, on tours to St. Augustine, you know, to see Ripley's Believe It or Not, to see the lighthouse up there. It's an amazing lighthouse, by the way. The fort, the old city. It was a hard time. And he says, God wants you to know that he, just does, he doesn't owe you anything for what you're doing here. I wanted to strangle Mark. I was like, 
come on, get over here, boy. Come on, boy. <laughs> but, but then the more I thought about it, what, what the Lord was saying is, is you see, there's, there's such entitlement. Like we think, if I do this, then there's going to be some response for God back to me. And what it was, it actually was a reminder to, to, to have that fire to be all in with, with no expectation or for what I was going to get out of this deal. I've actually been feeling this, this recently again in, in my journey here in ministry. It's like, it's like God, I just, I just want to respond to your extravagant love, which is my reasonable service. It's like the least I can do. Paul says, for of him and through him and to him are all things. He makes all this thing called life and the universe and earth go around. And if you could just see it, you would throw your life at him. You would become like I have, a bondservant, a voluntary, voluntary slave to these things. This thing called the gospel of Jesus. Not, not wanting a paycheck or not wanting the applause of men or not wanting some position. It's just this love response to what he's done. That's what God was saying to me that day. Darren, I'm, I'm having you re-up again. You see, sometimes in life we get comfortable. And God will take us in and out of seasons just to, to disrupt the discomfort that, that, that's affected our, our all-in passion out of response to what he's done. Now, what's incredible, and I'm closing with this, that the church in Jerusalem that navigated a season where they didn't even know if they were going to make it, and they had to go to such extreme measures that people were selling properties and just putting everything in to the gospel, you know, to the work that was going on there. The culture that they had fashioned through a very difficult time, everybody say difficult time, you see, sometimes difficult times, I actually, like, I don't like them. How many of you like difficult times? We're going to pray for you at the end. All right? But sometimes difficult times, what they do, God takes and works what was even be, being meant for our harm in those seasons, and he turns it around for the good, and you come out of those moments even better than you were before. Oh, I love it because the devil just gets a smack back right in his face. And that's what had happened to the church in Jerusalem. A culture. Everybody say culture. This is all about shaping culture. It's shaping what we believe, how we behave, how we react, how we perceive certain things, how we frame certain things in our way of thinking. A culture had been fashioned in their midst that, that, that was really bearing incredible fruit that was, that was now advancing the kingdom of God forward on the earth. It's incredible. It's incredible. Because look what Paul says to them. This is amazing. In 2 Corinthians 9, chapter, chapter 9, verse 1. He says, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving. Hold it, wait a minute. This was the church that was in extreme lack because the opposition was affecting all of the believers' financial reality. In fact, Historians think that most of them weren't even able to be employed in the city. They were, they were completely ostracized. No one could get a job. Many of them were stolen from. Many of them were cheated out of things. You ever felt like you've been cheated out of stuff by the devil and you're just over it? 
but they made it through. And what they sowed in tears shifted the entire atmosphere over their region and over the church at large. And what they had sown in tears, this is for somebody today, I want you, as a community being passed, stay focused. What you've sown in tears, where there's been pain, where you've gone through extreme sacrifice, you are going to reap with joy. It is certain over your life. Certain. God is not mocked. He is looking, watching everything we are responding to out of love. He sees the sincerity of our hearts. And he will back us. He will back us to the nth degree. He will, it may not be in our timetable, but he will come through. He says in verse 2, For I know how eager you are to help. And I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. Now look at this. This is awesome. In fact, it was your enthusiasm, your burning all-in desire that stirred up many of the believers in Macedonia to begin giving. Like kind in the gospel reproduces like kind. When when a seed of Jesus gets in someone's heart begins to be watered begins to be nurtured begins to be cultivated and begins to grow it will affect other lives period you can't even help but be a change agent in the earth when you're all in Here's two spiritual laws before we take communion of the gospel. Number one is what we reap is going to be in direct proportion to what we have planted. All will reap all. Nothing will reap nothing. The Lord actually prefers one of those two choices. Because the middle one, it's confusing. He says, I will that. I I can't. It doesn't work. Middle way was never created for that. Why? Because if you're going to look like Jesus, Jesus was all in. You following me? There's no, like many people think, well, I'm just trying to do my best to be like Christ. Oh my God, if that's your mindset, you don't even understand the gospel. The gospel was never us trying to do our best and finding some middle ground and settling for that middle ground. No, the gospel was that there's power to look just like Jesus. And Jesus was all in. Oh, I was driving here today. 
I'd listen to this album forever, Jesus Culture album. Chris Kolala singing uh, that, that like a tidal wave crashing over me. Your love is like that. Like a hurricane that I can't explain. It's like that. It's, it's violent. It's wonderful. It's, it's ferocious. It's, it's amazing. It's, all, it's, it's filled with so much energy. And I'm driving down the street. Thank God I had tinted windows so they could only halfway make it out. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the people next to me. Hey, Jesus. And it deserves that kind of response because that's what it's all about. And this wasn't like Darren getting emotional. It was like I felt Holy Spirit in my car. I'm like, God, may that be found in us. Paul says, remember a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You see, we can't reap someone else's harvest off of our small investment. And the the investment of Jesus was all. So, man, we just say, hey, we're all in. And then number two, the decision to do this is ours to make. No one's trying to force you, coerce you. God ain't trying to manipulate you into being sold out to Jesus. That's awful. That's ugh, that's really gross, right? Talk about, you know, he is trying to woo you with love to where when you say yes, you know, sometimes, man, I don't sweat it anymore. I'm like, I'm not going to pick some fruit before it's ripe. I'm not going to try to manipulate someone to walk the aisle, you know, you know, give their money, do whatever, serve when they're not even passionate about it. Because God's passion is what this is all about. He says, you must decide in your own heart. Wendy read it. I remember one time we had two of our missionaries and they were getting ready to get sent off. So I went up to be there for them. Northern Florida. They had a guest speaker in. He had a certain type of gospel culture that I didn't really resonate with. And he had his son-in-law take up the offering. And I swear to God, it was a one-hour message. And I gave, man, I gave. But I didn't give because I wanted to give, man. I felt so under such In fact, when I got back, I got a phone call from their office that my credit card didn't go through. And I wanted to tell Felicia, don't give him the right number because I'm not even feeling it now. I didn't want to give, but I was like, man, I see why they have so much money because, man, you sitting through a one-hour offering, man, you're going to just give them money to shut up. Just here, take it all, man. Just please stop. I'm sorry. (laughs) But think about the difficulty for the joy Hell 
even to a time of remembrance like, oh, here we go, passing the crackers and, and the fruit juice. Actually, this is real wine. Um, no, it's not. It's just fruit juice. Anyhow, <laughs> here we go again. No, we are coming, remembering what took place on that shameful tree where he became a curse for us. He became sin for us so that we could be freed from the curse and so that we could become the righteousness of God. Wholeheartedly sold out. 100% committed. All in. And even when we go through difficult times and times when we don't know if we're going to make it till tomorrow, we somehow, God comes and gets a hold of us in those moments and a fire begins to burn again. Paul says to the believers in in Corinth, he says, the priestly ministry, chapter 9, verse 12, that you are providing through your offering. In other words, you are now Jesus in the earth. Darren, that's heresy. No, it's not. You are Christians, little anointed ones. You are ones bearing his image. You are the the ones that may be the only people will ever see Jesus in. You want people to see someone half in? No way. Go the other direction if it needs be. Or come and just breathe him in again. Eat of him again drink of him again. For as your extremely generous offering meets the approval of those in Jerusalem. In other words, it aligns with the culture that they cultivated. They set a standard. That's apostolic. Setting a cultural standard that translates to the next church. And then that translates to the next church, to the next church, to the next church. The culture of heaven will cause those people out there in the world to give glory to God. We receive and we give. Lord Jesus. in every way just like us yet committed no sin was broken so that we could be made whole your blood that had the power to heal sickness overcome death destroy the grave itself that poured from your side into the earth. Of whom you are the glorious high priest over this new creation. 
is now saying to the bride of Christ, go all in, not in zeal, not in emotion, but in response to love. Could you just take and could you eat? a church in South Florida in the earth that will voluntarily give everything to see this wonderful, beautiful message come and bring salvation into the earth redeem everything that was twisted off track and and now is being bought back by Jesus because of the message that we preach with our lives. No wholehearted, wholehearted devotion, no halfway intention for serving you, God. Come and fill us with your Holy Spirit, God. Back us with something bigger than ourselves. Let our very shadows as we walk by people just heal them because of God the the essence of Christ that we carry on the inside come on just tell them we love you Lord we love what you've done we love this beautiful gospel we love what's been accomplished on the cross we love what took place there kids and I'm going to dismiss you to do that but could she just lead us and we just kind of take some time and you're officially dismissed but I just feel like there's such, there's a tidal wave that wants to crash over some people's hearts here today. There's a hurricane that wants to begin to stir in you again. There's some stuff that God wants to do this morning in some of your hearts. There's no condemnation. There's no shame here today. There's just a calling back like it's a new season. It's a new time. It's a new beginning. It's As we launch into this fall, it's time to go all in because there's something coming down the pipe in 2019 that we can't even see right now. But it's right around the corner and we got to get ready.
So as our ministry teams come, God bless you guys. We're just going to stay in quiet here. You're free to go. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you so much.